Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host Mitch Michaels and I have a great show lined up for you today. I'm going to talk to Chris Miller of the NFL Network, a good friend of mine, his second time on the podcast. It's our instant analysis of week 11. Some surprising developments there. Cowboys keep on rolling 9-1 and and we'll preview tonight's game between the Open Raiders and Houston Texans in Mexico City. Should be something to watch there. At the end of the show, I'm going to give my thoughts on a couple different things, my three takes on certain topics. We'll get to that as well. It's the Money Mitch Effect on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. It's a holiday week. Let's get the festivities rolling. All right, joining the show again. Returning guest, now a uh, friend of the podcast officially, Chris Miller. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Oh, yeah. Totally glad to be here yet again, talking football. Now we're going to do our recap of the week, and we're recording this on a Sunday night. Game's just gone final, and we're going to start with the team with the best record in the NFL, Chris, the Dallas Cowboys. I thought this game would be close. Yeah. For the most part, it was. Dallas putting on the uh, the juice at the end, getting the win 27-17 to over the Baltimore Ravens. They're 9-1, nine straight wins. This game in particular, did this show you anything different that maybe you didn't know about this team? You know, I mean, I think part of it, I think it showed that uh, Des Bryant, first off, is back. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, what, two touchdowns this game? You know, he looked He looked like Des of old. There was one where he caught the ball like around the – with a five or six yard line, and he dragged <laughs> a defender into the end zone with him, and that was that was pretty incredible. And honestly, I agree with you. I thought this game was going to be a little closer. I mean, Baltimore's defense was starting to play more like what you'd expect to see from a Baltimore defense, and uh, Dak Prescott did what Dak Prescott does, and that's uh, continues to look good against whoever is lining up against him. Yeah, it's actually frightening to see Prescott get better as the game goes on. I didn't, wouldn't say I learned that this week, but yeah. we've seen a habit of he starts slow, figures it out, and gets better. I would say the two other things that stood out to me, Chris, is Ezekiel Elliott didn't have his best day, still over 100 yards <laughs> on purpose. How good of a season is he having when you say, oh, he had 127 like total yards of offense. It was an off day for him. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about that, though, is they didn't force feed him. You know, like, you'd think a team with a weapon that big, yeah, they didn't necessarily <laughs> feed him all the time. They were able to go to passing. Beasley yeah. caught a touchdown. Dak did it with his arm. And defensively, mm-hmm. look, we gave this team a lot, of, a lot of flack, and deservedly so, for how they played last year. But this Rod Marinelli defense, not the best talent-wise, but we knew Baltimore's big threat was the home run ball, the deep pass, Mike Wallace going downfield with Joe Flacco's big arm. Yeah, Dallas took that away. I can't say enough about the job the defense is doing. Yeah, I think uh, what the longest completion Baltimore had this game was 27 yards. <laughs> Considering that they're a team that, yeah, you know Mike Wallace can burn you, uh, which we've seen him do time in and time, you know, time again. Yeah, hats off to Dallas's defense. They are definitely one of the big reasons why they are where they are. And, of course, as I said before, that offensive line is frightening. Is this the best team in football right now? I hate to say it, but... Because I know record-wise <laughs> they are, but that's not always how this works. Think I think top are? to bottom, yeah, they are definitely uh, the best team in football right now. I mean, they've, they've got an extremely balanced offensive attack. They've got uh, two electrifying rookies that are just killing it. 
and that defense uh, keeps them in games. Yeah, I guess to answer that question, I like to look at the college argument when we're comparing teams for playoffs. What would they do on a neutral field? How would they travel into hostile environments if they even need to do that at this point? Yeah. Dallas can do a little bit of everything on both sides of the ball. I don't think they have one uh, Achilles heel that could drag them down. And they proved today was a good example. If the run's not there, we'll beat you with the pass. Yep. And being able to take away a strength that was a Bill Belichick staple in, in the New England glory days on defense, they can take away strengths now we're seeing with their defense. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a true test for this team is going to be, what, in about two weeks when they play Minnesota. Yeah. Can Prescott really get that ball down the field against a, just a frightening pass defense uh, and a fast defense? I know Minnesota tailed off for a little bit uh, these last few weeks, but they came back this week, so... I think that's going to be a definite true test for them. But, yeah, Dallas is, I think, I, as much as I hate to say it, they're the best team in football right These now. next two games, Washington on Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah. Minnesota after that. Yeah. Did if you they just, win these two games, I mean, we're, we're not going to even have this discussion, yeah. right? Like, it's over after, until they lose in the playoffs. After after Dallas lost week one to, to New York, did you circle Thanksgiving against Washington as a game you definitely wanted to watch? Oh, you mean after Monday when Washington got destroyed at home by the Steelers? Yeah, yeah I really exactly. thought this would be two of the premier yeah. teams. <laughs> You're like, oh boy, I can't wait for that Thanksgiving game against Washington and Dallas. And now I can't wait until Washington and Dallas play on Thursday. And before we move on, just a little stat that, that was thrown out today I saw on Twitter. And I don't, I don't know who said it. Apologize for not giving proper credit, and I don't know the exact years. There's been three times since, I think, 1938 where all three Thanksgiving games have been teams 500 or better. And that's wow. going to be this year, the third wow. time. So wow. how about that? A little, a little nugget to enjoy while you're in your food coma on the couch. That's fantastic. Getting to watch good football this year. I know. I guess that means no butt fumble this year because that's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. that, that was probably the well, best Thanksgiving moment. Sanchez he's there. He's there. Over. They yep. should just activate him for that game. I mean, just for old time's sake, right? Definitely. I think Sanchez should definitely at least play the fourth quarter. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Talking <laughs> NFL football with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch effect. Let's go now to that game that just went final uh, a few minutes ago, really. The Packers getting stopped out by the oh Redskins, God, yeah. 42-24. All right, we'll start. We, we're a positive show. I like to think so. <laughs> so we'll start with the good. Washington now, Chris. You're 6-3-1 right now. Yeah. A, a remarkable turn of events as we're into week. We just played week 11. The Redskins are 6-3-1. and one. Ever since that tie in London, they've been phenomenally overachieving, especially on the passing game. Yeah, Kirk Cousins on fire. This guy is playing as good as any quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, definitely. 375 yards passing today, three touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, he outgunned Aaron Rodgers today. Not <laughs> not bad. And I think Dan Snyder's going to need to get out a big, big checkbook at the end of this year. I mean, I hate to say this too, but Kirk Cousins is going to be getting paid. And he's oh, he's, getting he's definitely money. earning it. Yeah, and Washington, yeah, they're looking good. I don't. I still like to see a little bit more from them. Um, offensively, they're looking great. The defense, I think they're still a little kind of hit and miss at times. But yeah. again, I think their defense is solid. Dallas, I think division wise, is still the better defense of those two teams coming up in this Thursday matchup. But uh, yeah, Redskins are a fun team. You know, it's interesting about Cousins is the way he plays. We assumed that the best way for him to be successful is that game manager type. He is just putting that to bed instantly. Because we saw tonight, 
it's not so much that he's a deep ball passer or he'll be a game manager when he needs to be, but he'll yeah. just take what's there. And tonight, Green Bay, awful <laughs> secondary. Yeah. They had the plays. He wasn't afraid to let it go. He was throwing touchdowns, spreading it out, Chris. It wasn't just Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed. It was Jameson Crowder, Pierre oh, Garcon. Yeah. And then Robert Kelly as a running back. This is a legit offense now that has finally, yeah. finally, you think, found the runner to go with that passing game. Oh, Offensively yeah. speaking, there's not a hotter team in football right now than these Redskins. And that's something that you, I would have probably had to ask you to cut me off. I would have said that a couple <laughs> uh, weeks ago. I would say, <laughs> I would say, offensively speaking, definitely one of the hotter teams. I still, again, like I think Dallas, who we talked about before, yeah. um, a bit hotter. I got to give a, love, a lot of love to my boys in Oakland too. I think their yeah. offense is pretty exciting. I know we'll get to them a little later. But don't you like Jay Gruden being an aggressive coach? Now we saw him go for yeah. uh, a fourth and one on his own side of the field, only up by five. I know that was crazy on the forty, the like the forty-one yard line. He's um, getting, he's in a five-point like, game? He's yeah. getting aggressive. It's like Ron Rivera. He's just ready to kind of let, let the demons I know. go. I know, love it. Look, when, I love we, it. you talk about their defense not being that great. Tonight was a game where you have Rodgers on the other side as much as they've struggled. Let's just go and win this thing. I'm not going to fault him for that because mm-hmm. you know your defense is, all right, not great, not terrible. You've got another quarterback that's capable of just about anything. Why not just go for it like the Raiders have done or, or some of these other teams that we've seen? Oh, definitely, and I love it when coaches play aggressive. I do. I think the the game needs it, and we as fans, I mean, sure, does it give me a heart attack? You know, when Jack Del Rio went for two in week one against uh, New Orleans, did I clench up a little bit? Heck yeah. But the payoff, oh, my God, and it's make, it makes the game so much more it fun. Does. You know, if you're not going to let guys do celebrations, then, you know what, go for it on fourth and one, you know, on a five-point game. You know, Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, Chris, on the other side, the Packers now four and six. What is that? Ooh. Four game losing streak now for them? Four, four game straight. Wow. And they've scored a minimum. This was their lowest scoring game in that four game streak. Twenty four points. <laughs> Twenty four points. Yeah, so what's wrong? So what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, his crappy defense, his lack of a running game, and the overall talent yeah. discrepancy that his team has when they play other yeah. other teams. It's it's the defense. Let's be honest. And part of it is just injuries too to that defense. I mean, they're they're secondary. They're playing with like their third and fourth string secondary. Yeah. So that that's not going to win you games. And it's tough when you get a lead when you have a wide receiver playing running back to hold on to a lead. You know that's it's part of it, and I do think the roster part of the front office is to blame for not acquiring enough talent over the years. Sure, they're, they're priding themselves on drafting internally, but in the NFL day, you've got to get free agents, and they have lacked in that area. But Chris, the yep. line has been awful. Injuries. Yep. Uh, yep. They let the I'm drawing a blank on the name, but the lineman in uh, Chicago right now that they let go in the off season. Okay, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, they're they're just not blocking as good. And I'd argue that Aaron Rodgers yeah. is having to play even a little better. I mean, some of the touchdown throws he made tonight, he's avoiding guys running left and right. Like, he is not getting much time at all. He was running for his life. Yeah. Yeah. He was running for his life. Although, to his credit, only three sacks. <laughs> but that was because of him. <laughs> that was because of him, not because of that offensive line. Yeah. I mean, you can't win games when your quarterback uh, is running like a like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, you can't, you know. Is this team done? Can we cross them off the playoff chance list or? No, this is the NFL. Six. You can't. Care. Oh, okay. Let's let's look at the the uh, the NFC North. The Packers are four and six, and they're still what second or third place in that and then division. Third now. Two yeah. games though. Yeah. Two games out. Okay. But they can still pull it off. I mean, I I don't think they're better than Minnesota or Detroit. 
they're definitely better than the Bears, so they're at least a third division. They still have Aaron Rodgers, so you never know, you know. And the, I think what's working against them though is we're starting to get to that time of the year where it's getting colder and it's going to be a lot harder for him to start throwing the ball, and they don't have the run game to no. really support him. Well, I also think the reason why I asked that question is we're starting to see a trend here with Green Bay. This isn't just, oh, they'll be fine, they'll snap out of it. We've been saying that for weeks. They've lost four straight, yeah. and the defense keeps getting lit up. And those four games, you could argue, aren't even close to the meat of the schedule that they're going to face once the season wraps up. Yeah. They were getting lit up by the Colts, by the Titans. I mean, the Redskins are a step up, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how much more time we have. They only have you know six games left in the season. Not much time left to go. I, I think they're teetering. Yeah, I don't know that you can make the playoffs at nine and seven. They might have to win out to be in that discussion. Yeah, they're definitely. I think not a team that's going to get in as a wild card. It's definitely going to be a division win. And right now, my money is is still in Minnesota. I said it last time I was on your show that Minnesota was one of the better teams in the league. I know that they went on like a four game slide <laughs> yeah, since right. I said that. Well, that's but yeah. I still think Minnesota right now is the team to beat in the in the NFC North. So let's talk about that now because. You're right. You were one of the people that said Minnesota potential Super Bowl team. Yeah, I still it, believe that they could be. Okay, yeah. So you're still still hanging on that hill. All right. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I am stubborn, if nothing else. Okay. <laughs> so they went from five and zero to five and four. They had the bye week, come back, yeah. and then lose to the Eagles, a couple other teams, drop to five and four. They do hang on this week and beat the Arizona Cardinals at home 30-24. to 24. Yeah. Entirely another story with the Cardinals. Oh, God, yeah. But, Chris, the Minnesota Vikings, do you think this is going to be the, the time they right the ship? A lot's gone on. North Turner's no longer there. Yeah. A lot of injuries. Peterson's running, but we don't know what we're going to get out of him. Is this them getting themselves back in the game, or do you think this is a temporary stopgap? <sighs> tough. I know. It's tough. That's a very tough question. I mean, unfortunately, what the Vikings have going against them is the Sam Bradford effect. You know, it's just... Um, not the butterfly effect. Not the butterfly effect. It's the Sam Bradford effect, you know. I mean, the guy's just not, you know, a, a quarterback that really sees the playoffs. Not granted, you know, he was on some pretty bad Rams teams for a long time. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, I'm a firm believer in uh, defense-winning championships, and I, I still think that they've got one of the, the best defenses in the league, despite, you know, giving up 24 points to the Cardinals today. You know, like I said, they're fast, they're physical, and I still think that they're, they're the team to beat. I would say, looking at this division, why would they really be worried? Because they're lucky they're not in a loaded division. Yeah. Looking around them, the Lions are good, but have proven to be vulnerable. The Packers are, as we just talked about, in, in sudden duress right now, and the Bears are a laughing stock. <laughs> the Bears, <laughs> the Bears, uh, you know, and... feel bad for some of the talent there, but they don't really have a chance this year. I, I think the Bears are probably the second or third worst team in the NFL right now. I mean, I think the Niners are probably the worst team in the NFL, despite, despite record. Look at this. I, I think I, I think if the Niners played the Browns right now, I, I, I'd pick the Browns to win. Just my idea that that should be like a... Like a game during NFL Media Day, just making play like the little kids in between the actual <laughs> game. Just play, oh, look, here's the media tent, and there's the Browns playing the Niners. It's, oh, like, a, that, it's, honey. <laughs> it's like a relegation game. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Niners v. Browns. Loser gets to play in NFL <laughs> Europe. <laughs> yeah, you, you, loser gets to play in the uh, Arena Football League. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, getting back to the Vikings, I think defensively, 
they definitely did overachieve those first couple weeks. They were on par with the steel curtain defense of like the 70s. Sure. That wasn't sustainable. They have a good defense, but as you know, Chris, they can't just be on the field the entire game. Right. And that's what was <laughs> happening to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not the biggest Bradford fan, obviously, but their line was a mess. It wasn't all on Bradford. Their line was a mess. They couldn't get anything out of the running game. And the Diggs injury was huge because they didn't have many weapons at receiver. Yeah. Now he's starting to you know come back, and we're starting to see more there. I think for them to be a serious Super Bowl team, they need something. They need Peterson. I do because they the running game they have now is not getting it done. We weren't sure a couple weeks ago, but I just don't know. I mean, they win today, thirty to twenty four. Chris, they get a defensive touchdown, a special yep. teams touchdown at home, yep. and they only win by six. I don't know how sustainable that method of winning is. Oh yeah, they're definitely going to need to get something more from their offense. I mean, Sam Bradford, one hundred sixty nine yards, one touchdown. Their best runner was uh, McKinnon at 44 yards. And Asiata at 20 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but that's a you know short run touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty standard. Their longest run was McKinnon's 12-yard scamper. <laughs> yeah, and now flipping to the Cardinals, Chris, 4-5-1. and one. Wow. And yeah, there's yeah. a lot to debate about this team. Playoff uh, potential is clearly in jeopardy now. But I'm going to start with Carson Palmer. What the heck's wrong with this guy? What he did last year, was that an anomaly, or is he just having an abysmal season this year? I don't think it was an anomaly. I think Carson Palmer uh, traditionally has been a pretty darn good quarterback. Uh, he had some really good years in, in Cincinnati. He had some uh, downtime <laughs> in Oakland, <laughs> as we know. Out. You know, I don't think that last season was like a, a one and done, but... Um, like I said last time I was here, I think they were their offense a lot of times was predicated on the the home run ball and the big hit, and it's just not coming up for them right now. You don't see the 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 John Brown like you know eighty yard bombs. Larry Fitzgerald's timeless; he's been playing well. But Carson Palmer, I mean, one hundred ninety eight yards today, two TDs, two picks. Yeah, yeah, that's that last <laughs> stat's what jumps out at me. Yeah, picks. He's throwing multiple picks in a lot of these games. And I don't know if it's age. I don't know if he's starting to slow down. But the decision-making hasn't been there. And that's having a negative effect. Obviously, you throw picks, you give the other team a chance to score. Their defense yeah. isn't as effective, having to deal with more short fields. And I just wonder, what would their record be without David Johnson? He kills it just about every week, and they're still under five hundred. David Johnson, I think, is good for about 25 to 30 fantasy points a week. It seems really remarkable. Yeah, uh, yeah. Carson Palmer right now, like stats-wise, 13 TDs, not very good. 10 picks. So, yeah, definitely, I don't know if it's just poor decision-making, which I doubt. I think it's just they're a team that definitely uh, wants to go deep every time, and it's just not working. And I actually I was listening to um, – some uh, sports radio. I got it. I'm, I'm just like you. I can't quote my source, but they were talking about you know Bruce Arians <laughs> is the uh, offensive play caller for this team, and their play calling right now has been three passes to every one run play, and they have David Johnson, and they're only they're throwing the ball three times as much, wow. you know. And with that defense, they should be running the ball, pounding it. Let David Johnson get his 250 yards a game, whatever. Make my yeah. fantasy team cry. And just let that defense come in and, and shut the team down. and But they just want to keep throwing the ball, and it's just not working. No, we're getting close to asking about them, too. So I, I don't know. The Cardinals could be on the outside looking at the playoffs again. 
Which is well, pretty crazy considering how good they were last year. How good they were and how we assumed they'd get off to a good start with the schedule. But, no, they uh, they stumbled to the Pats without Brady, the Bills early. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is going to be tough. And before we get on to uh, other games that pique our interest, I do want to touch on the Seahawks-Eagles game from yeah. the sense that the Seahawks might be my most impressive team in the NFL. And what I mean by that is, Obviously, there's a lot of good football. The Seahawks are at the top of the list, but this is a team, Chris, seven two and one, that mm-hmm. has dealt with the most injury of any elite oh, level God, team. Yeah. They lost another running back today. CJ Prosites is going to yep. be out till about the playoffs. And he's been electrifying. Their lines in shambles. Their defense has had pieces coming and going. No Bennett for a while, and they are seven two and one on a three game winning streak. Yep. What gets them going? What enables them to just put their head down and win, regardless of who's out, who's out there for them? The two names that stand out for me, uh, one, Russell Wilson. He's looking a lot more like Russell Wilson of old. Now that the ankle, I think, is a little more healed. The knee's, you know, a little better than it was after the two, like, what should have taken him out of the, <laughs> the, the for the season-type injuries. And Doug Baldwin. My God. Like, he's just killing it. Another 100-plus yeah. yard game. He had Throwing three touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. He had uh, three touchdowns last game. I mean, he's... Uh, he is a spitfire. He is energy, you know, and all he does is just energize that team. And you know, Jimmy Graham didn't have a, a fantastic game today, forty-six yards and a TD, but he's been playing a lot better too. And I think that they're starting to um, really work out this offense. And it's gonna be tough now that they lost Procise. So we'll see. I mean, his Rawls come back and be like his usual self. I don't know. It's tough without a run game. <laughs> yeah, Wilson is true a, magi- a magician back there. They're starting to yeah. overcome their limitations on the line, and it, Wilson has a lot to do with it. I'm with you on Rawls. He needs to step up now. This is going to be up to him. But at 7-2-1, they've built themselves a comfortable lead in the conference, Chris, that's been slacking in a lot of areas. So yeah. I don't know. Without the Cardinals as their direct threat, this could, be, uh, this could set up well for them to kind of heal up when we get to the late games of the season. They could clinch the two-seed a bye in the playoffs by Week 15. Not out of the realm of possibility. And they're going to need to do that, I think, because they, yeah, of the, any of the playoff teams right now, they're the ones, I think, that need that rest more than any of them right now. So the Eagles lose this game, and they drop to 4-6. and six. Is it fair to call them our Jekyll and Hyde team of the year? I really... Yes. <laughs> there's teams like maybe the Houston Texans that just beat up on bad teams and lose to good teams. What can we call the Eagles? Because their wins have come against some good teams, but they find a way to underperform mightily when they do. I think the Eagles are definitely one of my biggest WTF teams in the league. Because <laughs> there's just games where they just look great, like when they played Minnesota. Yeah. They just they look fantastic, and then you know, then they don't show up. <laughs> you know? And I'm granted, I mean, against yeah. Seattle, I can't really call that like a bad loss because Seattle's a good team, but. But their receivers look <laughs> awful in this game. I'll, I'll yeah. say this: once the stat line isn't very good, wasn't very good, but he got a lot of drops. Jordan Matthews is not playing well. Aguilar is a non-factor. Yeah, and they don't really have much for a running game to build on. I, I like Wentz's potential, but you got to surround him with some talent. And that's on Doug Peterson too to give him a better chance to succeed. Definitely. Well, and from the Eagles games that I've watched, drop balls have definitely been one of their biggest Achilles heels. And I think part of it now, I mean, I like Wentz. I think Wentz definitely has some potential in this league. But now that teams are starting to get a little more film on him, you're noticing mm. some serious drop-off. That you know? works. Um, he's like kind of the anti-Dak. Dak is freaking getting better as the season goes along. He gets better as the games go along. And 
Wentz is sort of uh, leveling off, if not tailing down, unfortunately. And I like the Eagles. I mean, I'd love to see them do well, but they got to get that offense rolling. I should say they're four and six. They could be six and four. They, I mean, yeah. you could even say seven and three. They've had a couple really close losses in there. Yeah, but they're they're that they're that guy that you know outside the bar you don't want to fight. You don't know what he's capable. Of. <laughs> <laughs> what's he, what's he going to do? You can say about anybody <laughs> from Philadelphia. I think. Right. I think we, yeah, that's that is a perfect analogy when you talk about the city that this team's from. But. Yeah, definitely. Okay, talking NFL football with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch effect. I'm going to take this time now to talk about the only winless team in the NFL. What team would that possibly be? Oh, that's the Cleveland Browns. All right, the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers win twenty-four to nine in Cleveland. Steelers now five and five. Browns zero and eleven. And you know what? I'm breaking my rule. We're going to start with the uh, negative side right now. This Browns team zero and zero and eleven. I'm eliminated <laughs> from Cleveland uh, from the playoffs. At least it took uh, just, them eleven just games. Me, just shoot me straight. Is, it, is this an zero and sixteen team? Are they going to win any of their last five games? We should no. pull up the schedule. Let's pull up the I don't. Schedule. I don't see them winning anytime soon, unfortunately. So you're saying? I think they're an 0 16 team. Yeah. 0 and 16. But you know well, what? I will say this though. I think they are one of the most fun at times 0 and 16 teams to watch. They definitely have moments where you're like, "Dang, that's a team that definitely has some potential. Why aren't they winning games?" And then I, there's they, only they, one game on here that I realistically see them winning, and that's Week 16, home against the Chargers team. Ooh. Which, hey, good seat's still available for $10, <laughs> apparently. About 12000 tickets still Well, let's see. Okay. Go. They've got, what, the Giants? They had the Chargers. They had the Bills. They had the Bengals. Hey, Bengals is a winnable game. <laughs> the way the Bengals have yeah, been playing. Yeah, that's true. And um, the Bengals, uh, they lost Gio Bernard, A.J. Green. So you never know. That's also very true. I would also kind of add to that, though, about the Browns. They're not absolutely getting destroyed in a lot of these games. No, they've been in them. But when you have a line that's just as lethargic and just terrible, yeah. it really does make the, it really does make all that big of a difference. It's not just the line, the offensive line that's lethargic. It seems like the team in general and Hugh Jackson. Where's his fire been? Like when he know. was when he was the coach of the Raiders, that guy was just pure energy. Now, granted, the Raiders were a solid eight and eight team, so <laughs> there was a lot to be excited about, but. He just kind of seems like, like defeated, you know. It's like, uh, whatever. It's like it's like a, as a parent, like you realize that your kid's just like the kid that's just gonna eat glue and not achieve very much <laughs> academically. Uh, like some kids are gonna be doctors, and mine's gonna be Billy Madison. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he is a little defeated. I hope you know, they say the zero sixteen stigma is real, and and I hope this doesn't ruin him one way or the other. Yeah, this bad year because the talent is just not there. I, I think we can kind of agree on that. Um, so I'm I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried to see how this is going to go. But on Pittsburgh's side now, Chris, they're five and five. Yeah. Thank God that in their case the division is just awful. I know. So now they're right in the in the hunt of it. But yeah, are you seeing enough good out of them? Because there's good. There's also bad. Are you seeing enough good out of the Steelers to make you believe they're going to finally take control of this division? Well, let me just say this. I have Ben Roethlisberger on two fantasy teams, so I did not see a lot of good today. No. Uh, but for the Le'Veon Bell owners, yeah, great day for him. <laughs> no, the, the Steelers are definitely, I think, the best team in a pretty bad division. And I think what they show today is that they don't need big men to throw the ball for 300, 400 yards to win a game. They can give the ball to Le'Veon Bell and let him do it. Their defense showed up. 
So, yeah, they're a good team. They're not a great team. I definitely see them winning this division, but I don't see them going very far in the playoffs. I'm, I'm torn on that side of the argument, too, because they can be the team that can beat anybody in any given day. Yeah. So I guess, I, I guess I'd agree with it in the sense that I can't put a lot of stock into a deep Steeler run, but, hey, they're gonna, if they come in as the four seed, the three seed, yeah, I don't think they, it's not on the run for them to win a couple games and make things interesting. I, I think there's a lot of teams at the top, and you could say Patriots, Raiders, Broncos, that don't want to see this Pittsburgh team clicking. Oh, definitely. As a Raiders fan, and the way the Raiders' secondary has been playing this year, I definitely do not want to see them in the playoffs. You saw that game last year. Or yes, was that we last did. Year? Yeah, Antonio Brown for 200-something yards. 38-35, I think, Steelers. Like a real yeah. as a shootout. Yeah, yep. so, look, yep. I don't know. I know the Steelers is... A win over the Browns is not something to gloat about. We'll see what they do going forward. Talking yeah. NFL football with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. We're going to do a flyby of some of these games uh, before we get to previewing the Monday night game. Yes. First, Colts 24, Titans 17. Colts 5-5, five and five, Titans now 5-6. and six. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I think, wait, <laughs> yep, I think Dress Watch is back on, Chris. The Dress Watch is back for, on. For those that don't know... Last time Chris Miller was on this show, he made a bold proclamation for how bad the Colts are that if they yep. won the Super Bowl, he would wear one of his wife's dresses to work. And, and the fact that I got through that statement without laughing or regurgitating <laughs> is a testament to my professionalism. But be that as it may, yeah. but be that as it may, Chris, the Colts now, depending on what happens tomorrow night, could be a game out of first place in their division. I know. I'm not saying Super Bowl contender, all jokes aside. Yes. Is this a team that can make a playoff push now? Uh, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, they still play in the AFC South, which is not a fantastic division. Although I was expecting a lot more out of the Titans today. You know, they've been looking really good lately. Uh, the Colts, you know, showed them otherwise. But their defense is still not fantastic. Their offensive line is still, you know, needs work. But hats off to them. They played a surprisingly good Titans team well, and they, and they won at home. So good for them. Yeah, the Titans have some pieces. Mariota's still no red zone interceptions. just blows my mind. They need to address the receiver position, their defensive secondary, and maybe their head coach. But, you know, they, they could be going places. <laughs> they could be going places. I know, it's not gonna, I know it's not going to reflect this at the end of the year, but if the Colts make the playoffs, stats aside, luck deserves to be mentioned in the MVP race because he's literally carrying that offense on his broad shoulders. Oh, my God, yeah. Especially when we talked about this with Aaron Rodgers, the bad line that Luck just hides a lot of their inefficiencies by brushing off would-be tacklers. Yeah, but let's also not forget uh, Frank Gore. I mean, Frank Gore had like 121 yards total offense today. And uh, oddly enough, 71 of those were receiving. (laughs) So since he had that whole moment, you know, where he said, this is not what I came here for, this team's picked it up and played a lot better. Yeah. I would definitely downgrade them from dumpster fire to uh, trash can fire. Trash can, okay. You know, like the one that the like, homeless people like warm themselves yeah, over? Yeah, yeah. We'll get Yogi in here and break down the yeah. pecking order. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. I think they could, they're competent again. Are yeah. they a good football team? Probably not. But they aren't awful. And there's a <laughs> lot of awful football this year in the NFL. And that's a nice of a comment as I'm willing to give out right now. What is going on with this? There's been, a, there's been some really good football and some just God awful. We just need like a like a board, like the the threat warning for the dress warning, like we're going under, you know. Like, oh, we're browsing right, right now. <laughs> I'd say right now we're kind of in a yellow. In yellowish, okay. Yeah. Well, 
Because you never know. Yeah. Team gets in the playoffs, you never know. Yeah, then, you know, we get to, like, the purple, those, like, Tom Coffin face colors, and then we're in some real big <laughs> That's right. Some other teams, well, you mentioned bad football. The Bills beat the Bengals 16-12. to Yeah. My opinion now, with how late we're getting in the season, this, this game served two purposes. The Bills are right back in the thick of the wild card race. Yeah. And the Bengals look like they're done and finished. Well, three six and one, Chris. I don't know. Yeah. They'd have to well, win out and probably still get help. And without AJ Green and without Gio Bernard. Now, granted, Gio mm-hmm. Bernard's not like their their RB one. That's still Jeremy Hill. But without AJ Green, that is a tough, tough order. Unfortunately, they let too many offensive weapons go during the off season. I think losing uh, Marvin Jones and losing uh, Sanu definitely hurt this passing attack. They did. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens from here. I call the Bengals more of a front-running team, a team mm-hmm. that when things are going well is great, but they're very undisciplined. Yeah. They don't listen or respond well to coaching, and we see what happens when things don't go well with those teams. With the Bills, hey, they're right back in it. Chiefs yep. now, though, Chris, they lose to the Bucks in our upset of the week. Yes. They're, they go down 19-17 at home. Bucks back to 5-5, five and five, a potential playoff picture team there. The Chiefs, sure. though, down a ring in the pecking order, especially in that AL West, or in that AL West, <laughs> AFC West, I'm talking baseball now, <laughs> AFC West arms race. Yes. The Chiefs, this loss could be huge. First loss at home on the season. Whipping the radar or something to uh, consider as a concern? I would love to think it's something to be concerned about, but I think it's a blip on the radar. They've been playing so well. Yeah, it's the NFL. I mean, <laughs> yeah. losses like this happen. I know the Chiefs have won a lot of close games, but... You're not going to win them all. That, that defense is ridiculous. I saw it firsthand when I watched the Raiders play them. Uh, not in person. I was on television. But still. Uh, <laughs> and, but that defense is scary good. I mean, look what they did with Carolina last week. Uh, single-handedly bringing that game back for them. Uh, Marcus Peters is no joke. D Ford is mm. it just been insane. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a blip on the radar. I mean... Good teams stumble every once in a while, and this just happened to be their time. It's definitely going to be a, something to watch, though, because this AFC West is tight outside the Chargers. But <laughs> yeah, well, and the Chargers could have been there, but they, you know, blew all those games. But you know what? They're still sort of in there. I mean, they're four and six, which is not the great. Schedule opens up, yeah. You know, but uh, they're still they're still mathematically there. So it's it's a fun division. It's great. I love it. And recapping the rest of the day quickly, Lions again win 26-19. You know, losing in the fourth quarter, Jacksonville 2-8. and eight. They're still just jagging off in the win. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be here all night. That's and, right. And uh, the Giants beat the Bears. Another team, Bears still have won a road game. Giants, they're 7-3. and three. How? Why? I mean, I'm not saying yeah. they're not good. I'm not saying they're not a playoff team. I thought they'd be a playoff team preseason, but... I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of concerns with this team, yet the results don't lie. Would you say right now, based on how the Giants and the Redskins and Dallas is playing, would you say that the NFC East is the best, if not one of the best divisions in the league right now? I think the AFC West is better, but these guys are it's right up there. It's comparable. I, you know yeah. what? If we're talking depth, I'd probably give the edge to the AFC West, but... The NFC at the top with how good the Cowboys are. I yeah. think they'd pose problems for a lot of people. But it goes right down to a T. Chargers-Eagles would be a heck of a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. The, those are two teams that would be begging to be in any other division in their conference. But, I mean, right? <laughs> don't you kind of, like, even though I would hate to see the Chargers in the Super Bowl, don't you kind of want to see Bosa go against Ezekiel Elliott? 
I know, a two, two old roommates at Ohio State just going yeah. toe-to-toe. That would be something. I wonder if they two would be Two possible like, rookies just, of the year, too. Yeah, wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then we had the Patriots just whip up on the Niners. Only 30-17, to 17, but this was your classic sleepwalk through a team or better than game. Yep. And, of course, it wouldn't be an NFL Sunday without the Rams playing in the worst game of the week. Dolphins <sighs> beat the Rams 14-10. to 10. Another week goes by, another jack-in-the-box, uh, two-touchdown <laughs> promotional gimmick where if the Rams score two touchdowns, you get a free taco. Genius marketing again. No two touchdowns for the Rams. Oh, great. Dolphins, 14 points on the fourth quarter. This was a total choke job. And I will yep. I'll describe it for you this way, Chris. The Dolphins didn't have a first down, didn't convert a third down until the, the second half. Had wow. no offense until the final seven minutes of the game, and yet they're winners. On a rainy day in Southern California. And I think that goes against completely what the Rams, in my mind, should be as a team, which is a team that uh, runs the ball a lot with Gurley, manages the game with Jared Goff, and lets that defense, which is really good, keep them in the game and win the game for them. And Goff, <laughs> I don't know what Goff happened. Goff was not good today, obviously, no. but look, it's That's a rainy expected. game. It's his first day. The team's not very good. He doesn't exactly have weapons around him. The line's not the cowboy line. Yeah, and he'll be okay. And I, I'm not. I don't know how great he'll be, but this wasn't a, an absolute disaster of a start. No, and I mean, and this was against a good Dolphins defense, not a great hard, Dolphins hard defense. Hard to believe we're saying that, but Adam Gase, five straight wins. Yeah, one and four to six and four. Hey, you know what? Sometimes it just takes a little bit for things to start clicking, and things are starting to click in Miami. I mean, this is uh, another one of those teams that. If they sneak into the playoffs, I, I, they're not going to win the division in my mind. I mean, that's still the Patriots to lose. But if they sneak into the playoffs, that's a team to look out for. You know, for if they sure. had any other quarterback, I'd be right on board with you. People, <laughs> I, am I the only one that actually <laughs> likes Ryan Tannehill? I guess be. not. I guess so. I uh, mean, he's not terrible at times, but he is terrible at times, and that's the part that loses a lot of people. Is that when you get into a fourth quarter, when you get to a playoff game, where every possession matters, sure, and we trust this guy. And you know what? This will be the first time really... Actually, no, I take that back. He's had chances at the end of regular season and he just hasn't played well. But we got to see him play well in weeks 14 to 17 with a playoff spot on the line. If he plays yeah. well then, I will issue an apology. I'll be like, I was wrong. This guy's right. But we haven't seen it. Until just, we do, I can't really say I'm confident. I just feel like he's a quarterback that needs to be in a system that, that benefits him more. And I don't think that this is it. But you know where I think he might work better? San Francisco with Chip Kelly. I'm calling that now because wow. he's got that mobility that, that Chip Kelly likes. He's not terribly inaccurate. I think he could work well in that system. Chip Kelly stays in the pros. Yeah, maybe a guy like him. Could be. Know. All right, Money Mitch Effect with Chris Miller, and now's the time we're going to preview tomorrow night's game. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be tonight's game. <laughs> Raiders, Texans, Mexico City. Woo. There is a lot riding on this game. Because oh, if lot. the Texans win, they're seven and three, two up in the division. Yep. With only what six games left, or no? Yeah, they'll be seven and three with six games left, ready yep. to just go. Yep. On a tear the rest of the season potentially. If the Raiders win, they're eight and two. They're eight and two, and they'll be at Pats. They're tied with. They'll be tied with the Pats, and they'll be a solid full game in first place in the AFC wow. West. So, all jokes aside about the fact that this game, this. Game is going to take place. It's Oakland home game in Mexico City. <laughs> Don't even get me started in on that. In the Estadio Azteca Stadium, which is going to be lovely. I'm glad that we're, we're having such an important game played <laughs> in Azteca Stadium. But in all seriousness, Chris, what do the Raiders have to do 
to jump on this Texans team early, a team that has never been a pushover regardless of how bad their offense is. I think what the Raiders need to do in this game, quite honestly, is a lot along the same formula that they used against Denver. Uh, the Texans are a team that don't give up a lot of deep balls. They've got a pretty solid front seven. Jadavian Clowney starting to look like the, the first round, you know, first overall pick that the Texans hoped yeah, he would be. front seven without Watt, too. Yeah, Still without Watt. You know, Brian Cushing is a madman. and <laughs> he, crazy. But he, he creates a lot of havoc. And Vince Wilfork has been, you know, has been a solid signing for them, too. So I think what you're going to see a lot of is a, a lot more of those six offensive linemen sets. I think you're going to see a lot of smash-mouth ball with uh, Latavius Murray and J- Jalen Richard. hope that defense can uh, make Brock Osweiler look a lot like they made Trevor Simeon look. Or like they made Brock Osweiler look last time they played him in Denver. Yeah, this is the most improbable thing. Well, yeah, we have the reunion of uh, Cleo Mack and Brock Osweiler. Yeah, last time they danced, I believe Cleo Mack hit him five times. Yeah. In <laughs> a half. Yeah. I hope uh, that happens again. Oakland's secondary starting off this season as bad as any secondary in the history of the game has started out a, ser- a season. But they have responded well. Osweiler is playing very, very poorly right now. Yes. Even in wins, he's failing to get to, like last week, get to 100 yards passing. So this is a huge test for the Raiders. Okay, we have a quarterback coming in. That's not very good. Yep. Do not give him any false confidence and, and let him throw his way into a groove. But I yeah. will say this, though, about what the Texans do on offense. They are committed to Omar Miller. They have some pieces on the outside. I think time of possession is going to be huge in this game. If you follow that blueprint that you guys had against the Broncos, yes, run the ball heavy on offense and shut down their run, it could be a long night for H-Town. Definitely. I, th- I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see, a, like I said, a lot of that uh, almost sort of like a Titans-esque exotic smash mouth mm. uh, run game. And you're going to see a lot of qu- just quick outs with uh, Derek Carr. You know, he had, what, about 187 yards passing against the Broncos a couple weeks ago. Nothing crazy, but did enough to, to keep the chains moving. And Latavius Murray blew up on it. I think you're going to see a lot of that again. Backfield by committee is actually working out because I do like Murray, I like yeah. Richard, and I like the fact that they're both invested. You know, one hasn't been lost by the fact that the other is doing well or vice versa. I'll ask you, though, about the elevation of this game. Yes. This game is being played at an altitude higher than mile high. Do yep. you think this will have a factor, good or bad, on any of the uh, players involved? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, this, they're another 2,000 feet up from, from mile high. So, I mean, that's ridiculous. 7,000 plus feet up in the air you're playing. Uh, Oakland Coliseum, I believe, is the only stadium in the NFL that's below sea level. Ooh, I don't know if I <laughs> so, like this for your Raiders now. <laughs> you know, it's definitely going to be a factor. But can but we then, see a but, 70-yard field goal, though, as a result, maybe? I think so. I think this is this is could possibly be one of those games, if you love field goals and punting, love it. <laughs> this could be the game for you. Let's go. Um, I'll call my uncle up. We'll, have, we'll make a party out of it, field goals and punting. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew the exact like <laughs> elevation for the city of Houston, but I'm pretty sure it's not that high up either. So the elevation is going to be an issue for both teams. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, which team acclimates to it better and uh, – it's going to be, a, I think, a sloppy second half, and I think that plays better to the Raiders, though. Yeah, and just to point out as well, I don't think, not to pump your tires at all, there's no better punter-kicker combo in the NFL than what Oakland has. They're in terms of personality, there. especially. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. You want to talk about just straight personality. Marquette King is by far one of the craziest, funniest guys. If you don't follow him on Instagram or Twitter, 
do yourself a favor and do it. You will not regret it. Even if you hate punters, even if you hate the Raiders, if you're a biggest Broncos fan in the world, follow him. You won't regret it. He's hilarious. And you got the Porsche Cannon, who's yes. still trucking along, looking for big things out of him south of the border as well. In all <laughs> seriousness, cornerback receiver matchups, I think, is going to determine this game because both teams have very, very dynamic receivers, multiple receivers. Oh, yeah. Will DeAndre Hopkins get going against the Oakland secondary? What can they do to limit him? And how will Houston deal with the one-two punch that is Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree? Well, the good news for the Raiders is Sean Smith should be back this game. I believe last I checked, he's still slated to play. That might not be. If he's there, that's going to be crucial because, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, they're more of a predicated on a speed sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> receivers. And I think Sean Smith... While he's shown that he can get definitely burnt by speed receivers, especially with Brandon Cooks, we saw that uh, in week one, he's still, I think, physical enough where he can get in and, and jam these guys and, and make, some, uh, make them uh, a little annoyed. But, uh, yeah, and then stopping Crabtree and, and Cooper, I mean, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I just, hey, just want to see more discipline out of Oakland as well. Please don't take as many penalties. It's also not good oh from an enjoying standpoint. Jesus, don't Old Mexico City is ready for penalties. No, <laughs> that would be uh, a great introduction to America. How high football. will those flags fly if in that altitude? <laughs> I just hope no. Yeah, we're going to have oxygen tanks. It's going to look like the end of a Rocky movie in that scene. I know. I'm just ready for uh, Derek Carr to sort of limp over to the sideline and just go, Adrian. <laughs> I did it. Uh, Del Rio. But, but looking at Derek Carr, as we wrap this up, do you think he's firmly in the MVP race now? Definitely. I mean, I don't think he has, you know, as exciting a stats as, you know, say like even Tom Brady who missed four games. But if you look at what he does for that team as far as keeping the chains moving, the way he manages that offense, and he's definitely a big reason why they're one of the top offenses in the league. But if you want my MVP as far as, like, these Raiders go – that offensive line, all yeah. five of them. Same with same with Dallas. Dallas, yeah. I think I think you give the the MVP award to to the entire offensive line for either of those teams. Certainly has played amazing football and given Carr a chance to succeed as well as that running game. But all right, Chris, as we go into this game, obviously I think you're expecting the Raiders to win. Yes. How big is this game for them though? A win, and I said eight and two. Yep. Top the division, right yep. atop the conference, but a loss. And we looked at their schedule. It's not getting easier. Yeah. They're, Enormous game. The the last, what, six games of the season, three of them are on the road against Denver, Kansas City, and San Diego. Oof. They have to play Buffalo. They have to play Carolina. So, and the Colts weren't bad and, and they play the Colts, which it's it's a tough, tough schedule. So this is a huge game. I mean, I, you know, that's the great thing about the NFL is every game is important. But this is this is definitely for how tight that that division race is right now. They've got to win this one for sure. Both well, teams need to win this one. Yeah, as we said, Texans would fall right back into the mix with the Colts, with the Titans. Raiders could separate themselves or fall right back in the mix with the Chiefs losing. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, Chris, thanks for joining the show. And yeah, we'll just have to monitor the Raiders and now the Colts as well as we go on <laughs> I know. that too. I know. You're gonna yeah, dress watch. Every, <laughs> dress watch. Every time I'm sure. on here we talk about the dress level, but <laughs> Alright, Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me.
want to thank Chris Miller for coming on the show. That was a great discussion, and I promise you there will be no photos if the Colts do indeed win the Super Bowl. Because let's face it, as good of a guy as he is, nobody wants to see that. All right, now instead of wrapping the show up or tossing you a second interview, I'm going to switch things up a little bit today. I want to give my thoughts on three specific topics in the sports world. Some that we might not get to cover uh, on a uh, permanent basis, so I wanted to kind of give my takes here. It's not a rant. I'm not going to go Kanye West in Sacramento. The press might have a field day with this. Uh, hopefully not in that way. Number one, got to talk NHL. Got to talk Matt Calvert of the Columbus Blue Jackets. On Friday, the Blue Jackets forward, who I'm guessing a lot of you who aren't real big hockey fans or, or diehards might not know who he is. Matt Calvert took a slap shot off the head, off the face, 36 stitches later, he comes back into the game and scores the game-winning goal. Now, it's not uncommon for things like this to sound like Dan Deardorff, double negative. It's fairly regular that players play through injuries in the NHL and in the sport of hockey. That's what makes the game what it is. And I also don't think, while this has gone viral, I don't think this is an attention grab for people trying to make the game look tough or look better. As someone that played the game and as someone that has experience, not nearly at the level of these NHL players. This is the best way I can describe it for you. You play the game not for yourself, but for your teammates, for the people that you're with, for everybody that helped get you to that point. And Matt Calvert is under six feet tall. He was a late, mid to late round draft pick of the Blue Jackets. He's a hardworking player that did not rely on skill to get where he is. He knows how valuable ice time is and how lucky he is to have the opportunity to play in the NHL. He's not going to take that for granted. If he can physically get back on the ice, he will. Matt Calvert is as tough as they come, but there's a lot of guys like him that are as tough. And Matt Calvert will be the first person that will say that to you. It was an unbelievable experience to see Calvert come back onto the game, come back into the game and score that goal and really uplift his teammates. A team that's surprisingly playing a little better. But all the respect in the world goes to Matt Calvert for gutting through an injury, and showing again why hockey is a play, is a game that, while it takes an unbelievable amount of skill and discipline, heart will always come first and will always get you through those tough moments. A big shout-out to Matt Calvert, who put on for his hockey players and the hockey community as a whole. Right, that's number one. Number two, there was a boxing match this past Saturday, and look, I'm going to be real with you. A lot of people aren't really into boxing anymore. But this was a fight between two of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world, two undefeated boxers, Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev. Now, it is a fight worth noting, even with the sport kind of at a standstill, going down, UFC on the rise. But it also highlighted the fact that boxing has problems. Two guys, pound-for-pound, -pound, top five in the world, in their 30s, undefeated, and they hadn't fought each other yet. How does that happen? How does boxing how does that happen? It's the negotiation rights. It's the fact that fighters can control the power and pick and choose who they fight. We saw it with Mayweather and Pacquiao. We saw it with a lot of great fighters over the years. And it's the main reason why fighters, why fans are looking at UFC to watch because those top fighters will fight each other and not really duck and choose nearly as much as boxing. But okay, this fight took place in Las Vegas. Got a chance to watch it. It was a very good fight and it was a controversial decision. Andre Ward wins a majority decision Unanimous decision, I should say, 114 to 113. He was knocked down in the second round, but he managed to win by one point. A lot of people disagreed with it, and I was one of them. 
Sergey Kovalev, in my opinion, won the fight. Now, it wasn't an outrageous decision. I don't think Ward winning is a, is a sham, like when Timothy Bradley beat Manny Pacquiao, or you can look at some other fights, maybe the Forrest Whitaker, uh, Pernell Whitaker, back in the day uh, against Chavez. There are some interesting ways you can look at this fight. Did the right guy win? It's the, it's the standard argument of the attacker. Kovalev was dominating the attacking, but... Ward was counterpunching. It was close. I had Kovalev. The judges had Ward. A lot of people disagreed. But it can be a good thing. I'm not going to say it's the worst thing in the world. Obviously, you feel for Kovalev and the stuff he said about maybe politics coming into play. Partially true. Partially a fighter just upset at the end of a fight. I get that. I get that he's upset. And anytime anybody's lost in sport, they're going to be a little upset. I get that. That's part of the game. The emotion. The raw emotion. But this could be a good thing, because these guys have to fight again, and they have to fight soon. Six months, let's see them in the spring. If we really want to make boxing return, if we really want to make the best fighters fight each other, this has to happen. I know Andre Ward holds the power now, and I'd like to think even with this great win, he's now the light heavyweight champion, the unified light heavyweight champion, I think it'll be best for him and best for the sport if he takes that fight with Kovalev yet again. Because you know what? I think it could be a trilogy. I think Kovalev could win the rematch. And if Ward beats him again, he silences the critics. What's not to like, in the words of Kirk Cousins? All right, number three, switching to tennis. See, we're going all around the sports world in my three takes. And this is what well, might be a reoccurring thing. I'm not sure. But in the world of tennis, the ATP Tour has ended his two, its 2016 season. Long season. We go 11 months. Andy Murray beat Novak Djokovic in the ATP World Tour Finals to clinch the number one ranking on the year. First time he was ranked number one was just this past month, and if Djokovic would have beaten him, he would have gotten the ranking back, but it was the British player, the Scottish British player, who finished the year off strong. The 29-year-old Murray, to put this in perspective, has been in the top four for almost a decade. He's never been number one until this year. He's been number two for several years, but he couldn't quite get past the hump. Nadal and Federer are getting older, age and injuries are playing a factor, but it was Novak Djokovic that lit the sport on fire the last couple years. And after the French Open in June, Djokovic set an unprecedented difference between second and third place. He had more points than Murray, number two, and Federer, number three, combined. But Murray, in the old sports adage, never gave up. He kept fighting. He kept working hard. He kept his training regiments up. And he knew that he had a chance if he kept playing some serious tennis. He won the gold medal. He won Wimbledon. He made deep runs in the U.S. Open and won a couple of Masters 1000 Series titles of the best players in the world. And Djokovic did stumble a bit. But Murray, and I will always give credit to the guy who took the title. Djokovic stumbled, could have played better, could have held on to the ranking, but Murray absolutely took it. He's 29 years old, as I said, and while some people think that's post-prime in tennis, I'm not going to tell anything, I'm not going to tell Andy Murray to do anything, that he can't do anything, because he can, and he proved that today. Is tennis in a better spot than it was years ago? Look, the Federer-Nadal rivalry is something unprecedented that we might never see again in our lifetimes. But Novak Djokovic is a great champion, and Andy Murray is an unbelievable fighter, and also a great champion. I'm excited to see what 2017 has for these two guys, and to see if the next generation of, of tennis players on the ATP Tour can come up and challenge the throne. And with that, here comes the music now. With that, the show is officially going to end. I want to thank Chris Miller again for coming on the show. I want to thank Brian Nelson for designing the logos that you see on the podcast, and Tim Adam 
for supplying the music. And thanks for hearing me out on my three topics, Mitch's three rants, his three takeaways. The Money Mitch Effect can be found on SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. And follow me at Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for sports takes and more. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving week. We have two more shows planned, a couple interviews, college football. There's a couple big rivalry games this week. Ohio State, Michigan's right on my radar. And we're going to talk more NFL and some other sports as well. You've been a wonderful audience. Mitch Michael signing off. Thanks for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the football game tonight. And I'll be back to talk more sports later this week.